Deviant Women. This is the podcast where we talk to you about deviant women from history, mythology, literature, and contemporaneity. I'm Lauren. And I'm Alicia. Welcome to the podcast. It's season three. We did it. We started this two years ago. Jeez. What have we been doing with our lives? Time is a strange amorphous blob. It is. That I don't understand. I think you'll find that's how scientists also describe time. Yeah. It's a very technical term. Strange amorphous (laughs) blob. But yeah, time is passing and we are here again it's March 2019. March. How did even that happen? Who even knows? <laughs> and it's almost International Women's Day. It is. And it's Women's History Month this month. So we get to celebrate for the entire month, which is, of course, why we are releasing this episode this month. And on this day, which is the day before International Women's Day. We wanted oh, to get fun. you ready, get you like in the zone so yep. that you're like good to go. Yeah. International Women's Day. Absolutely. Yep. And also we're going to have a treat for you as well because Lauren and I are actually going to be giving a keynote at an International Women's Day. <laughs> so <laughs> keynote makes it sound so special. Does, doesn't it? Like, I guess it is. Yeah. But like, and if that goes well <laughs> and we record that, we if, might even release it as an episode. Yeah, if the recording works. Yeah. <laughs> if the recording doesn't work, then you'll never get to you know. You'll never know what we said. That's right. Well, but, fingers crossed. Anyway, so we're very excited about yes. that. And, of course, we're back in the swing of things after our successful Fringe season. Yeah, we had another one. It was really well received. It was really great fun. We portrayed Anne, Bonnie and Mary Reed live on the stage. It was a fully costumed, adventurous, fun time with swashbuckling and... It was a spectacular. Crazy pirates. We even wrote a song. Yeah, we did a song and dance. Musical numbers. It was insane. (laughs) But... Also, because we did a show about pirates, we thought that just to ease us into this season... You were all inspired. I was inspired. And I thought, you know what? Let's stay on the pirate train, boat. The pirate ship. The pirate ship. And let's look at another pirate. Great. And we're going to look at a pirate who we have mentioned in passing before because, you know, some of our listeners may actually already be familiar with her. I think she's probably one of the more famous pirates. Yeah. Well, she is possibly, by many estimates, the most successful pirate who ever lived. Yeah, and let's just emphasise that ever Ever. lived. Like, forget your Captain... Blackbeard, yeah, or Your William Kids, yeah, or whatever's. This nah. is the one, yeah, and that's it. She's one of those people where it's not precursed by the most successful female yeah. pirate. So like, no, fuck you all. She is the most successful pirate ever in the world. Period. In the history of the whole galaxy, and we Full are stop. including all the time that came before Earth. Yeah, that's right. We're including all those other planets that have pirates. All that long, 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 long time ago yep. in a planet far, far away. Exactly. She's even more successful than, like, Jabba the Hutt. Yes. I, he wasn't really a pirate, but, but still. But he did some things he was that a bad guy. parallels. Yeah. Han's probably closer to a pirate. Yeah. He's a smuggler. We're There's getting... parallels. Yeah, there, anyway. 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 She's better than all of them. And she is? She is Xing Shi. 
Woo! Woo! There was also the cat Cat was also excited. She was like, woo! She was like, meow, so exciting. Now, of course, we're going to China for this story. Yeah. So as with a lot of these stories, we have to precurse with apologies for pronunciation. (laughs) That's where we need to begin. So I'm saying Xingxi, and I'm hoping that that's fairly on par and acceptable. The internet seems to suggest that I'm getting close. So Hopefully the internet's trustworthy. (laughs) So, but who knows? But actually the interesting thing about her name is that Xingxi basically translates to widow of Sheng, and we'll get into that a little yeah. bit more as the story progresses. Good. So she's known by a few other names as well. So Sheng Yat So is another name, and this translates to wife of Sheng. Okay, that makes so sense. It's consistent. It's consistent. But we will begin with her birth. We do. That's where we tend to start stories. Don't even need to really precurse that with anything, do I? <laughs> and we're going to the late 1700s. I thought nearly for a second you were going to say the late 70s. We're going to the late 70s. Yeah. Polyester, <laughs> psychedelic prince. No, that's not where we're going. We're going to the Guangdong province in China. Yeah. This is down towards the South China Sea for anyone who wants to look at a map, to follow along on a map. We encourage it. And what you may notice if you're looking at a map is that this area of the coast is full of bays and rivulets and rivers and it's basically a delta. Well, yep. it is because it's actually called the Pearl River Delta. Okay. So it's not basically a delta. It, it is, is a, delta. a delta. It's there in the name. <laughs> um, and this kind of environment is, of course, key to the pirating that is going to ensue. Right. So keep that in mind. So she was born in the Guangdong province in Approximately 1775, most sort of scholars and texts agree on that. And we don't know a hell of a lot about her very young years. Now, the period of history that we're looking at here is during the Xing Dynasty. Again, I hope I'm saying that Mm -hmm. right, but who knows? And this basically was in place from the mid-1600s all the way through until 1911, Wow. Pretty big dynasty. It's a long dynasty. Yeah. And at this time in the uh, late 1700s and early 1800s, a lot of trade was taking place with Europeans. Yeah. Right. So the British were in there and they were trading. The Portuguese were in there as mm. well. So I assume they are all wanting that silk and that tea. They that delicious, sure delicious aren't. tea. Yeah. Oh, my God. They want that tea They want that so tea bad. so bad. It's all about the tea. Fucking obsession with tea, hey. Tea's so good though. Tea has led to many, many disasters and throughout history, hasn't it? It's just crazy. But people love it. They wanted the tea. And they wanted they wanted silk and porcelain and other stuff as well. But Oh yeah, because this is what the period where all of those porcelain ceramics were very popular. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And also the English at this time, this is a bit of a segue. We won't really get to this in this timeline, but they were also trading with opium as well. Oh, yeah. And, of course, this eventually led to the fun times of the, the opium, opium wars. wars. But that's actually a little bit after Xing's okay. period. So we won't delve too much into, yeah. into that, but that is a really interesting period of um, history. Anyway, so this is the atmosphere at the time that Xing comes into the world. Now, a lot of this trade is going through the Guangdong province. Um, and she is born, as I said, in this province in Gangzhou, which also, well, I should say it's modern day Gangzhou, but yeah. it was known as Canton. So yeah. obviously Cantonese. We yes. can see the connections. Oh, yeah, so many connections. So many connections. And in terms of her young years, 
Again, some suggest that maybe the story that has come up around how she grew up is not accurate. Right. Um, But most sort of suggest that she worked in a floating brothel. Wow. Yeah. So floating brothel. So at the time, because we have all these rivers and and rivulets and whatever. I'm with you. um, They were often known as flower boats, um, which is very suggestive. That's such a good name. such a good name. And I suppose it kind of makes sense actually having a floating brothel because – I, when the authorities come sniffing, you just you just, you just like kind of, yeah. pole away. You're out of there. Gone. Pole away also sounds like it <laughs> means something else, but I don't think you do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a it, they can't come into your establishment and shut it down if you move if you your sail establishment. away, <laughs> sail away, sail away, sail away. Yeah, good, good times. Yeah. So um, this may or may not be true of her younger yeah. years, but this is the suggestion of where she grew up and. Also, we can't really tell either whether or not she would have been literate at the time mm-hmm. because, of course, it wasn't com- well. It wasn't common at all to teach girls to read and write, right. and we just don't know. Yeah. So, but do we know anything about her class? No, nothing about her yeah. class either. So we don't know how much of an impact yeah. the, her level in society would have had on. Yeah, that's on right. Her. So this actually is also that idea of class and who's using what establishments. Yeah, also kind of leads us to the next part of her life because this is where she we start to kind of really know mm-hmm. her because as in know her as in the historical record yes. becomes a little bit more reliable yeah, now that's yeah. right so whether or not she was working here when she's about in her mid-20s she meets a pirate named sheng yes yes yeah now we're getting to the pirates we're getting to the pirates yeah and you look who knows what attracted sheng to her Many things, I'm sure, but there is a suggestion that if she did work in a brothel, then she would have had a lot of pillow talk and a lot of access to what was being said. Gossip and the news. Exactly. So that actually puts you in a really good place to know a whole lot of what's going on in the higher echelons Mm. of society. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of handy for a pirate to know. This is actually something that we see relatively commonly in women who manage to work their way up in the world. Their position usually is being like mistresses or courtesans Mm -hmm. or sex workers just generally. They are able to access those kind of inside bits of information that is quite often off limits to women who have more of a respectable or a, a more kind of official That's capacity. That's right, yeah. And because also these women seem to, for some odd reason, because we know obviously retrospectively what they can do with that knowledge, yeah. but for these people in this time, they seem so non-threatening. That's right, they totally slip under the radar because yeah. you're not expecting that this woman that you've just shared an hour of like some, you know, good sex crazy, times Crazy with, times, yeah. Is, is going to then go and do it with the next person and then maybe like slip some little nuggets in there and, yeah. and, and tease out some more information. And, and, of course, the amount of stories that we have about, you know, Empires falling because of you know women's loose lips, yes, all that sort of stuff. But I mean, this is but this is actually a point of agency and power that recurs in stories. The the kind of agency and power that I'm all about Mm. because so often women are demonized for this, and I'm just like, no, fuck, man. Like in a society that doesn't allow you to have any official power, you use what you've got. Yeah, absolutely. So this could well have been what led Cheng to want her on board. Yeah. Or who knows? It could have been a genuine love romance. He may well have been. Some stories sort of suggest that he was in love with her for her extreme beauty. Yeah. And then he actually ordered a raid on the brothel and he ordered her. What, be, so that she'd get kidnapped? To, to kidnap her. 
kidnap oh, her and have her oh. brought back to him. Oh. So <laughs> nobody really knows. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of different stories around. But, but she ends up on his ship. The important thing is she ends up with him. And they get married. Yay, romantic. Yay, so romantic. She's not just the other woman. No. She's not just a mistress. She is number one. Yeah. So she and Shang take up together. And now Shang is um, not just a pirate himself. He's from a long line of pirates. So his father was a pirate. Oh. His brother's a pirate. So he's a pirate family, you know. Right. It's, it's the kind of thing you want to be involved in. Yes. Really. We all want to be part of a pirate family. And a lot of Chinese pirates had been involved in the Taeson Rebellion in modern-day Vietnam. And it's far too de- detailed a story for me to go into, so I won't go into that. Mm-hmm. But the basic thing that we need to know about that story is that Chinese pirates who'd kind of basically been a motley bunch off doing their own thing. Yeah. For the first time they came together to work together as a sort of a coalition of okay. pirates. Yeah. Um, a during coalition that of pirates. Coalition of pirates, which is where we're what was going to happen in this Ooh. story, basically. And they came together because they were being basically being paid to be part of this rebellion. And when this was over, they kind of disbanded and headed back to China and didn't really know what to do with themselves, so they started fighting against each other mm. again and the coalition kind of fell apart. Oh, um, really? Yeah. So <laughs> all these pirates who'd been working together, I suppose they were being paid to work together as well. Um, they're like mercenaries. Yeah. And now they've gone back. They don't know what they're doing anymore, so they've gone back to battling each other on the seas. But Cheng had been a part of that, and he had decided that it was much more profitable to join forces and to work as one. So he and Xing, with Xing on board now, they decide that they're going to get this coalition of pirates formed and mm-hmm. happening again. So Sheng was very instrumental in forming this coalition, but Xing is all the time is his right hand woman. She's there. She's he's doing the strategy. He's doing the maneuvering. She is learning all of that strategy and maneuvering from him because she's constantly a part of it. But she at the same time is also basically the treasurer. Okay. She's basically in charge of all the money wow. and where all the money is going. So you can see she's not just merely a wife. Yeah. She's actually already from the outset involved mm. in the day-to-day business of pirating. Yeah. So they form this coalition with – so there's seven, basically seven fleets that come together under this coalition, each with a different colour, which I think is terrifically organised. I, I love things that are organised by colour. <laughs> I just think that's great. So there's like the black flag fleet, there's the green flag fleet. Excellent. And they have the red flag fleet. Okay. Which I think is the best colour fleet. Oh, if you're going to be a pirate ship. You want to be black or red. Black or red, all the way. Yeah. Nobody wants to be like the fuchsia fleet. No. Although that has some nice alliteration to it. The fuchsia fleet. The fuchsia fleet. It's hard to say too, too many <laughs> times in a row. So things are, are good for the pirates. They've come together and they're working as a team. Now, the other thing about why pirating is going so well for them, so they're pirating up and down this South China Sea coast where we've got all of the, as I said, all these little rivulets and fishing villages mm-hmm. and it's very much sort of um, are they just like raiding the villages and like so yeah. yeah so they start raiding the villages but what they decide what Xing decides is actually going to be much more profitable is actually basically taxing the villages to have them protect them oh so it's like the mafia it's yeah, exactly like yeah so it's racketeering it's basically a protection racket that they're going <laughs> to so they're like look if you don't want us to steal your shit yeah. if you don't want us to attack your villages and you don't want us to set things on fire why don't you just pay us? Mm-hmm. And so, classic, classic, classic move. move, classic move. Doing it way before they did it in Naples, I'm sure. Long before. Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. Actually, actually, no, no, no. 
<laughs> Not at all. But it's still a classic move. So they are building up the coffers. Shing is raking in the money and ridiculously. Do you know who was the brains behind the racketeering? I think it was Shing was yeah. the actual brains behind the racketeering. Yeah, great. Good job, Shing. And they were basically managing the salt trade was like the key one that they were wow. getting money off of. That seems like quite a big. It's a big trade. trade. <laughs> it's a big trade. But also just general fishing villages and and fishing trade and other goods as well, other yeah. merchant goods as well. But they were steering well clear of the European trade vessels. So the thing to know about the coalition's fleet is that they weren't using pirate ships that we, you know, when we imagine pirate ships, we think of sloops and galleons yeah. and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah, and big billowing sails. And yeah, precisely. Yeah. So this is not the kind of stuff they had. They had basically, I mean, they did have large junk ships, mm. which were fairly big, but they were nothing near the European ships yeah, in size. Yeah, right. Okay, that's interesting because I was picturing them on something of a, of a similar size. No, yeah. so they were actually quite a bit smaller than any European ships. Yeah. And a lot of the ships they had were modified fishing ships. Right. Or modified junks. Okay. I don't know where that image came from. Actually, I do know where it came from. I think it's Pirates of the Caribbean 3 <laughs> where they're like in Hong Kong or something. There's Chinese pirates in Pirates of the Caribbean 3 and I'm pretty sure that they have like bigger ships. Uh, so Well, I think I mean you can get fairly large junks, but the thing is is that they were nothing compared to the European yeah. ships. And did they know this or they just like yes. we probably should just steer clear cuz that's in our best interest. Yeah. So it was not worth them taking the risk of attacking because Macau at the time was also a colonial outpost yes, of, of Portugal. Yeah. And was until 1999. Yes, it was. <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, it's like Hong Kong was yeah, until very true, but the same kind of period. 90s, yeah. yeah. Fascinating stuff. Anyway, again, a tangent. So many tangents. So many tangents. So uh, the Portuguese were there with their really very big galleons and, yeah. sh- and ships, but it just was not worth the risk engaging any of those European ships because they were properly armed warships. Yes. Whereas the Chinese pirates, Xing's fleet, they just had whatever they'd cobbled together, basically. Yeah, okay. The Chinese government, the Xing dynasty, didn't have a navy. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, they hadn't had a navy for quite some time. It basically had just been a neglected part of the military for a while. Wow. Don't know why. They have such a large coastline. Yeah, and it was for some reason <laughs> no one thought to put a navy there. <laughs> that's wow, that's interesting. Yeah, they had very few ships, and the ships that they had were incredibly outdated, and they basically were mod- modifying junks and fishing ships the same way that yeah. the pirates were. So they didn't have anything that was any more impressive than the pirates. So this posed a huge problem to the Chinese government, well, to the Xing dynasty. At the time. Because they really didn't have any kind of effective way of fighting the pirates. Yeah. So they wanted to kind of negotiate with them if they could. Mm -hmm. Now, this meant they introduced very similar to in the Caribbean and that part of the world where we had the king's pardon that was introduced. Yes, which was offered to pirates to give up piracy so they'd become privateers. Correct. Exactly. Something very similar was happening in China where you could basically get amnesty if you decided to give up a life of piracy. Yeah. So but were you still then in control of your ship, but you just worked for the you worked for the powers that be instead, did their bidding? A little bit different to that. Okay. You basically could just walk free and return to civilian life oh. without punishment. Okay. So so this was 
part and parcel of the, the whole kind of pirating racket that was happening at the time. Now, sadly, Sheng died. So they were, uh, yeah. they were I pirating. Mean, we know that her name eventually is Widow. That's right. So That's obviously going to happen at yeah. some point. So they're pirating, they're doing their thing. You know, they've got this coalition. Everything's going really, really well. The pirating's great. The government can't stop them. The Europeans aren't getting involved. So they've basically got... Um, they're like run of that delta. The whole delta belongs to them. Yeah. And they're doing what they like with it. And they're getting filthy, filthy rich from it. But Sheng dies. Now, he dies in Vietnam. And there's a couple of suggestions that nobody really knows that maybe he drowned. He was possibly swept overboard in a typhoon. Xing, in some some people suggest she perhaps murdered him. I was going to ask how he died. But we don't don't know. know. We don't know. (gasps) Maybe it was all three. Who can say? Maybe she pushed him overboard during a typhoon and he drowned. And it all comes together. Yeah. But we don't know what happened. What we do know was that the coalition was like, oh, shit. Sheng was basically the guy in charge. What are we going to do without him? What are we going to do without a strong leader? We've got all these ships with all these fancy colored flags on them. We know. We know firsthand, Alicia, what happens to a coalition when it doesn't have a strong leader. We sure do. (laughs) That's an Australian government (laughs) political political reference. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it all, it all goes it to all shit. It all falls apart and everybody jumps overboard. That's that's what's happening right now. Yeah, they're but it's not. Overboard. They're not literally jumping overboard. Yeah, though. they're not literally jumping off the ship. But they are throwing their hands up. So the captains of all these other fleets mm. are wondering who is now going to step up. To and let rule. me guess, no one expected, no one expected it to be little old Shing. <laughs> well, Shing and Shing. Before yep. he passed away, there's someone else that we need to know that was part of their lives. Ooh. They had an adopted son. <gasps> oh. Dun, dun, dun. I thought maybe it was going to be like a thruple situation. Oh, you know what? Okay, so it's a bit weird, right? Okay. So oh, dear. Where let's are talk, we going? Let's talk about this adopted son for a minute. So Chung Po, he came along on the scene before Shin came along on the scene. Uh-huh. Chung Po is an interesting story and – it's possibly a little bit disturbing and weird. I'm not right. sure how to deal with it. Okay. But he was basically a 15-year-old boy when he was either taken in or abducted uh-huh. from his father, who was basically just a, your average fisherman, right? Yeah. Sheng took him on board possibly as his lover. Right. Which is I, a bit of a uncomfortable... Fifteen-year-old teenage boy gets abducted mm. onto a pirate ship to be the captain's lover. Mm. <laughs> Rather uncomfortable. But also, we already established earlier in the story that possibly Shing was kidnapped for the same yeah, reason. Exactly. So, like, yeah. there's a there's a parallel. There's a terrible history potentially of yeah. this happening. Oh. But maybe maybe they were actually both just great love affairs that could never be and so they had to sneak away yeah. to join the ship and it was like running away to be with your lover. Yeah. There is also a whole other level to this as well, which is that inheritance was such an important thing as well. And mm. it was not uncommon to ab- adopt rather than abduct. So yes. maybe he was adopted, maybe he was abducted. We yeah. don't know which. There's still a very big problem with the 15-year-old. <laughs> no matter what the story is, there's it's it's always a, enormous hinge (laughs) there's a hinge there's always a hinge 
But so he may also have been adopted basically to ensure that level of inheritance, somebody on the line that everything gets passed along to, right? And so they had taken him on as their adopted child. Now, Xing actually also had two children as well um, by Sheng as well before he died. But they were way down the line well under Shang because he was their first, right? Yeah. He was the first in line. Even though he wasn't a blood relation. That's right. But this was already, I suppose, more like a business Mm. deal that had been set up in advance. Mm -hmm. And it seemed fairly logical that he would step up to the yeah. fore to be the one who was going to command. You think. If anything, you'd think that he's going to be a protege. That's right. right. This seems like the way things are going to go. But Xing steps in and she says, oh, actually, he's agreed to be my second in command. Oh. And he had. He had very happily said, you take the lead. I'll be your second in command and I'll be the figurehead, but you're the mastermind. <gasps> wow. So she stepped up and the thing here as well is that in a lot of ways this isn't entirely unheard of in the society at the time either. Yeah. Because, of course, in Confucian society, in big cities and big towns, women's roles were incredibly restricted. You stayed in the house. You basically, you just waited till you were married. And then when you were married, you went and lived in your Mm. in-law's house and you basically never saw your family again. Yeah. And it was just entirely restricted way of life. Whereas along these fishing villages, you know, the poor people get, and this is also something that we always find with class and hierarchies of status as well, is that the poor people get down the line sometimes, and I mean sometimes, there are more freedoms to that. Because you don't have to subscribe to those rules that are attached to the very wealthy who have to live up to a particular status and have to work in a particular way. And also you can't afford it, right? Yeah. Because... Yeah, definitely. These are fishing villages. These are places where... It's like, we don't have time for that bullshit. We've got lives to lead. Yeah. We've got to get the next haul in or everyone's going to not be able to pay the taxes. That's right. So everyone's going to die. So everybody has to pull their weight. So there's no time to be picky and choosy about who's doing what. So along the coast in a lot of these villages, quite often, I mean, if a man who owned a ship died, the the widow would step in and she'd take over that job anyway. There were loads of little delivery barges and rafts that went up and down the rivers that were piloted by women. So is this a case of where it's really more about the importance of the reputation of that ship as opposed to who's actually commanding it? Yeah, exactly. Like the Dread Pirate Roberts. Oh, the Dread Pirate Roberts. (laughs) Yeah, very, very similar to that. Yeah. Practically the same. Good. Anyway, (laughs) so, I mean, it's not totally uncommon for a woman to step in to take over the role that her husband, her deceased husband was doing. So it's not, it's just on a much grander scale, I suppose. Because now she's commanding an entire fleet and a coalition. A coalition. Of fleets. That's right. Plural. A whole coalition. She's like, the next one up, I think, is a Commodore, I think. I wouldn't have a clue. Yeah. But that sounds, I, I believe you. I did a lot of research into Pirates when I was 15. Because You also mean you did a lot of research into pirates when we just did our show on pirates. Yeah, I did that. But like I know what I know what a Commodore is because of Commodore Norrington. Oh from Pirates of the Caribbean. Because I watched that film seven hundred times. I don't. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) carry on. I shall. After the Pirates of the Caribbean segue. (laughs) Well, when you talk about pirates, 
It's a reference point for many of us, isn't it? Well, it's not a reference point for me, but <laughs> that's just my problem with Johnny Depp, which is a whole other thing. You were 15 when that movie came out. No, that's true. I think yeah. it makes a huge difference. <laughs> but I suppose, really, the interesting thing about it is that it's a very different view to that Western view of women on ships, you know, mm. because, of course, the Western view of women on ships at the time was that they were horrible bad luck. Terrible luck and... If you found one, you got to get rid of her. Quick, yeah, smart. get her off. They don't belong there. Whereas here, I mean, it's hard to know how many women may well have already been on these pirate ships anyway. So there's not really – is there any records in terms of how unusual Look, it wouldn't she have, was? No, it, would have, it wouldn't have been common, but it certainly wouldn't have been beyond the bounds of – possibility because of that like you were saying women taking over the role of their deceased husband or brother or whatever exactly but of course she's the only one that ever got as far as she's going to get an entire coalition of fleets of pirate ships it wasn't a utopia of of gender equality look let's yeah let's make no mistakes i'm sure that even if the situation was slightly better than it was in the west it's probably not great no it's not fabulous no life aboard a pirate ship as romantic as we make it sound Actually, oh my god, can you imagine how terrible it, it would, would be? It would be awful. Just like constant seasickness, so cold, so dark. Terrible food. Awful food. Rats. The dirt. Oh, the the dirt. And you can't even drink normal water because still water kept in barrels mm. gets diseased. Yep. So you, you can't even drink a, a drink of water. If you, you want have to drink have a rum. Drink, you have to drink rum or beer. You've got no well, option. You had to drink beer. That was your daytime drink and rum was your nighttime drink. It's actually not as fabulous as it sounds. No. Everyone's no. a little bit trashed all the time. <laughs> and you kind of have to be because that's the only way you could probably survive. Yeah, because that's the only way that you could constantly go into battle. Yes. Being like, oh, I'm shitting my pants. It's all right. I've had forums <laughs> and i'm not really sure what's going on yeah. so but no we really do romanticize it and it actually really would have been very awful in a lot of ways but also very very profitable in other ways as well which i guess is the reason why you stick with it that's why it? you stick with it and so she she knew where the loyalties to her husband lay so she played on those to sort of gain favor as well and she was accepted by the coalition as their new leader. Yeah. So to solidify her power a bit more, or because, you know, maybe they genuinely loved each other or, you know, and this would explain why Shang was happy to step into the second mm-hmm. in command, they became lovers. Okay. So she becomes lovers with Question. her adopted son. Question. Bring it on. He was already the adopted son of Cheng before she came on board? No, they adopted him together. Oh. But he was already a, almost an adult when they adopted him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to figure out where on the Woody Allen spectrum we're sitting. Yeah. Here. I think we're quite low down on the Woody Allen spectrum. I think. <laughs> but we're still on the spectrum. Though. We are on the spectrum. And though. that's a not a good spectrum. Yeah, we're on the spe- – but you know what? History is all on the spectrum, isn't it, really? <laughs> on the Woody <laughs> spectrum? <laughs> Let's not make that a spectrum. Let's not make that, let's not even make that a thing, you know? 
But I just mean like in terms of what's acceptable and in terms of the way that, you know, this would of course would not really have been terribly problematic at the time. Of it course. would have been perfectly acceptable at the time. And the, his age would have been a totally different matter at the time. Yeah. Their relationship would have been a totally different yeah. matter at the time. The, and the concept of age, like the concept of whether or not you're a child, the concept yeah. of whether or not you're a teenager or an adult, like it's, it's entirely different. But it is funny that when we retrospectively look back at these stories, I mean when I retrospectively look back at so many of these stories, there are moments where I can't help but cringe. Of course. Because it is so uncomfortable to think yeah. about that. Even though, you know, historically, of course, it's a completely different, I wanted to say kettle of fish, but that seems like a very piratical pun. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. So we'll just leave that there. We shall. Leave that information yeah. nugget. So they became lovers, as I said, and this helped to sort of, I suppose, really solidify that leadership role and the dynamic between them. Now, of course, as I mentioned before, the government was still very concerned about how they were going to control these pirates. And they did send out what they had of a navy to endeavour to uh, bring them down. But Xingxi actually managed to capture most of the navy <laughs> and take their ships from them. And the government ended up having to convert more fishing junks and basically like the oh worst God. ships they could find. And also I'm assuming that, yeah, as they're doing this, the quality of those ships and the quality of the crew and the captains is getting lower and lower Exactly. And lower. Every she's time. already got all their good stuff. Yeah. So they're like, well, oh, fuck, we've yeah. got to scrounge something together. So the Navy is decreasing time. every time and every time she's just benefiting <laughs> and, and benefiting. she's a bigger and bigger fleet as it's, this is, yeah. oh, man, talk about diminishing returns. So, so they are doing a woeful job and Xingxi knows just how incredibly beneficial and profitable this business is being for her. So she decides to draw up a manifesto of rules for the entire fleet to adhere to. Oh, yeah. Now, some sources suggest that it was actually possibly Shang Po who authored the Code of Rules, but it's hard to know, and we could probably suggest that since they were lovers, maybe they just did it they together. Yeah, they probably influenced each other, definitely. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of these rules are actually really very different to what you would expect. So first of all, of course, the key rule was that all pirates had to, of course, obey her orders from the very top. She was the superior. She was the one in charge. So if anyone acted on any orders that didn't come directly from her or that went against what she wanted, they would be beheaded on the spot. So pretty ruthless. It's harsh, harsh punishment. Harsh punishment. Now, they also had a public fund. So everything that was stolen... You could keep 20% of what you stole. Yep. The rest had to go yep. into a coalition public fund. Fair. Basically. Fair enough. So fair. I don't know. 80% is a lot. Well. Anyway. Yeah. Into the fund it goes. It's expensive to run a coalition of ships. Uh, it is. That is very true. You know? Yeah. Like, she can't run that on just what she steals alone. That's not fair. Yeah. You need to get all that loot. Yeah. You need to get all that cashola. So we've got a public fund that all that money's going into. And gets distributed for things like repairs and supplies, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et so it's being ma- she's managing it in a diplomatic kind of way. Mm. All goods that were taken had to be presented for inspection, had to be registered, mm. and then it was distributed. And this is where we get into the other kind of rules that we might suggest that Xing probably had a bit more of mm. a hand in. So if a pirate raped a female captive, he would be put to death by beheading. Fucking fantastic rule. Isn't that just not what you ever hear? Great. That is an amazing rule. 
I'm 100% behind it. I know. I'm so behind that rule yeah. as well. I do just it. think that's a fabulous rule. So I think we can assume that Shing was like, <laughs> probably has something to do with it. I'm definitely putting that in <laughs> and place. And this is why female representation in positions of leadership is important. <laughs> because we're going to put this kind of rule into Because we think about things yeah. that other people don't think about. Yeah, we're a little bit broader. <laughs> but then there's this the interesting second part of this rule that kind of strangely contradicts that first part of the rule. Which is if the sex between a pirate and a captive is consensual, then they both get put to death. <gasps> wow. Which now that I'm not entirely sure. Wow. So, so she just wants no sex between yeah. pirates and non-pirates. Sex is just a distraction maybe. Yeah, like only just, sex between pirates. That's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, she might be trying to, to car wash relationships from building or forgive. I mean, if you're mm. in a, you know, genuinely consensual relationship with a captive, yeah. like a captive, it's maybe not in your interests to have a captive pillow talking with one of yeah, your pirates right. because, you know, they you don't know what that captive is going to do with that information yeah. or if your pirate is going to release that captive, yeah. maybe you've got grand plans, what you're going to do. I mean, look, I'm talking from a position of leadership. I'm obviously not talking from a position of like, genuine human compassion which is <laughs> You're a thinking very, that it's, it's a business transaction i'm thinking of it as a totally yeah. from a business perspective well because the other thing as well is that i mean she's a fascinating figure but like so many figures that we look at she's not like she was the most wonderful person in the world no so and i mean a lot of the captives that they took on board were they were then selling them back into you know slavery basically yeah. so i suppose as well it's not very good for business if you're going to take up a consensual relationship with someone who's basically a dollar sign yeah because you want to pass that dollar sign on oh, as awful as that as is. awful as that is and the awful thing was is that usually the, the man in the relationship would be beheaded but for the woman she would have weights tied to her legs and would be thrown overboard no i don't know no why would you do that so, oh god that's the worst that's my nightmare that's my nightmare too that is legitimately a nightmare isn't it why are you doing this thing it's very strange but then, again, here's another one that contradicts that middle rule. So we've had, a middle, we've, had, we've had a good rule and then we've had a confusing rule. And then here's another good rule. If a pirate took a wife, he had to be faithful to her. Oh, yeah, great. That's cool. That's a nice rule. That's a, that's a nice rule. So it's like a sandwich, basically. She's done like the sandwich of like, you know, when you give someone a compliment yeah, and then a criticism yeah. and then a compliment. Yeah. She's done but, that. I mean, at the end of the day, these don't necessarily, again, and we can talk about our contemporary ideology versus theirs. And, and these rules don't necessarily fit with our ideas of what, you know, people's rights are as individuals, uh, what their rights are in relationships. Because even you can be in a relationship and have consensual sex with somebody else. Uh, uh, that I mean is consensual in three ways. You know, you can have an ethically non-monogamous relationship, but I'm sure that at the time the concept of an ethically non-monogamous relationship didn't exist. And most of the time it was just people cheating on each other to the harmful, oh no, Non-monogamous relationships totally did exist. They just weren't called that. No. Well, because the thing is, is that that's, there's that whole concept of concubines and mistresses yeah. where we think that that's a romantic thing. But really it was entirely so that you can ensure you had an heir and everyone was cool about that. Yeah. Because the wife was like, hey, look, I'm pumping out daughters and yeah. I understand you need a son. So those extramarital slash neither of us really want to be married yeah, to each other neither of us actually are interested neither of in us each other. actually like each other so we'll yeah. do the thing until we have a baby 
yeah. or two and then we can go and carry on our own separate romantic relationships. Mm. That happened all the time. My point was mm. that her policies seem to be kind of about protecting her crew. Definitely. I think. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like it to me. Yeah, anyway. protecting her crew, sure, but she also had other punishments for them that like <gasps> flogging and quartering and chopping she, off ears. And, she is a pirate. Yeah, you know. You've got to demand respect somehow, don't and, you? And also when we talk about like we're like, yeah, she was a lady pirate, that's fucking badass. The things that come along with being a lady pirate mean being horrible to people yeah. and killing them and torturing them and blowing shit up and, like, doing really horrible things. Yeah. So, like, even though we can celebrate them as being, like, badass, active women who were, like, chasing their desires, we also have to remember that that comes with a whole bunch of really terrible things yeah. as well. Yeah. It's not like she was, you know, just patting kittens and no. singing songs. <laughs> Unfortunately, then, they don't make very successful pirates. <laughs> they don't. Except when they're on those cat pirate ships, which is the kind of pirate ship I would have. <laughs> But that is another story for another day. entirely by yeah. cats or yeah, just exactly. overrun with cats? Both probably. So not everybody in the pirate world enjoyed these rules or agreed with them. And one of Shing's former allies, Ope Tai, had become a bit of a privateer. So he had decided to take an amnesty. Yep. He decided to get out of the pirating business. And, yeah, so we say privateer. That's, I suppose, much more of a Western term. But he basically had taken an amnesty from being a pirate and turned against Shing. And he did take up arms against her and did actually work for the government to try and bring her down. But... Even though he knew her strategies and the way she worked, he still wasn't enough to -hmm. stop her. So the government decided that they were going to enlist the help of some foreigners. Oh. It was time. They're like bringing the Portuguese and the English. Yeah. It was time to ask for the help of some of those Westerners. So as I mentioned, the Portuguese had much bigger and fancier warships, and so did the British as well. And the Chinese government had tried to use sort of just rogue British and Portuguese bounty hunters before, so just one or two ships they'd brought in. But now they actually asked for help from the Navy. Yeah, okay. That changes things. Yeah. They're like, there's no time for any of this Han Solo shit anymore. (laughs) We're going to have to go straight to the Portuguese Navy. So Xing had been fucking shit up up and down the rivers of Canton in the Pearl River Delta, looting and attacking, stealing away women and children, stealing all of the monies, really living it up and becoming richer and richer and richer. So the government recruited an official named Bai Ling to try and fix the problem. And he was the one that had the idea of getting in the Western ships to begin with. So the British came on board and did send their warships into mm. the River Delta system. Oh, wow. Now, on obviously out on the sea, Xing and her fleets, they could kind of outmaneuver them by basically just avoiding them altogether. Yeah, because the that's a much bigger space. Exactly. And being small, that maybe is an advantage because yeah. you're quick and you can just dart away. Precisely. And they had very small ships that were capable of doing that. But obviously in a river system, everything's narrowed mm. down. You and don't you can only go in one direction. That's right. <laughs> so basically Xing was like, shit, we need to get out of here. Yeah. So this was successful in kicking them out of the river system and sending them back to the bays on the coast. This brings us to kind of like, I suppose, the climactic mm-hmm. battle scene. Yeah, I was waiting for the climax. I was assuming so, that this is where we were going. Yeah. Big battle coming. Big battle Good coming. times. So we have probably to, not going to be a good time. No, not really. So we have to imagine now. So Xing's got her red flag fleet. They've come out of the delta. They're kind of taking refuge, I suppose, in these little bays along the coast. 
And you can imagine looking out onto the waters and seeing a barrage of ships Mm. coming towards them. So there was 95 actual government ships and four Portuguese ships. Wow. So the government ships aren't particularly fancy. They're still those kind of modified junks or whatever, but there's a lot of them. It's the Portuguese ships that strike terror into their hearts because these have proper cannons, they've got Mm. proper armaments, whereas their ships are just modified rafts, basically. And they're ambushed by this fleet of ships. So they try to manoeuvre their red flag fleet about astern across the mouth of the bay that they're in. creating a block. Creating a blockade, basically. And Xing sends word to get the rest of the fleet to come. Mm -hmm. So they battle here against the Chinese Navy, in inverted commas, and the Portuguese battleships for nine days. Wow. Nine days tit for tat battling back and forth. And you can imagine how incredibly hardcore Xing and her fleet would have had to have been to stave off that kind of manpower that was coming at them. You can't even imagine that, can you? Being under assault for nine days. Yeah. That is such an incredibly long period of time. And at that time, I suppose they had some very small ships that they were able to sort of send out and maneuver between the other ships to kind of, you know, Mm. throw explosives onto them, to Mm. sneak aboard, to attack in, I suppose, a much more underhanded sort of fashion. Yeah. But then towards the end of the battle, from the Chinese and Portuguese side, they decide to send in fire ships. Oh, wow. Now, fire ships, uh, I think, you know, they're... Is, that, is it what it sounds it's like? It's pretty much Are what it sounds like. Are they ships on fire? Yeah, they're pretty much ships on fire. Yeah. And this was a common tactic to basically just get these bonfires, yeah. these floating bonfires... Send it forward. Send it towards your enemy packed to the gills Mm. with gunpowder and explosives. And even if you don't set those other ships on fire, you still just create absolute panic. Yes, totally. And frenzy. Yeah, because everyone's just like, fuck, there's a ship on fire that's probably packed with gunpowder. Explosives that we've got to do something or get out of the way or we're going to all get blown up. And you can imagine how terrifying that would have been. But Xing was actually able to manoeuvre all of the ships to basically beach most of the fire ships out of the way. And then, amazingly, the wind changed. Oh. And sent the remaining fire ships (gasps) back. back Oh, shit. Towards the Chinese Navy. This is like a film. And the Portuguese. This is like a film. That's a deus ex machina. I don't know why there isn't a I mean, maybe there is a film, but I wasn't able to find a film. I think there was... A series, a Chinese series that was proposed or that was huh. made, but I wasn't able to find anything Because this online. is such a great climax. Such a great climax. So the fire ships turn around, they go back, <laughs> they explode at the actual <laughs> Chinese Navy. Oh, my God. And because of the change of wind, Xing and her fleet are able they're to... They're like, fuck off. They're, they're able to fuck off and they escape. Oh, my God. And so they manage to escape That's and they're like... times. Phew. But Xing also knows that... A lot of this came down to luck in the yeah. end. It because wasn't. Uh, it's a, a change of wind. That's a Deus Ex Machina. It is. That's the god of the machine. You can't just call on that at your own will. No. So she can't rely on that happening ever again. No. So she starts to think to herself, you know what? This is getting serious now. They've called in the big guns, the big ships, and there's no guarantee that we're going to be able to continue to fight them off. So she starts to think to herself, you know what? Maybe it's time I start thinking about that amnesty stuff. Yeah. 
because yeah. I don't want to die in a fiery wreck. <laughs> I want to enjoy my monies. Yes. After all, what has she worked so hard for her whole life? That's right. So they are engaged in battle one more time in January 1810 with the Portuguese. But this time they decide to quit while they're ahead and they basically surrender. Wow. Pulling down the red flags and pulling up the white flags. That's right. Yeah. So accompanied by the wives and children of her pirates, she goes to meet with Bai Ling, who was put in charge with capturing her, if Mm -hmm. we remember that. And she goes to him unarmed to negotiate the terms of an amnesty. Wow. All the pirates who agreed to surrender were allowed to keep what they had thus far stolen. (gasps) Wow. They're very generous terms. Yeah. And she insisted on this. Yeah. So she was like, this is what I want. I want to be able to keep all of the loot we already have. And you can imagine, of course, Bailing was like, <laughs> she said, I want all of these pirates, I want all of these men to be able to have jobs with the military if they want them. Okay. That's actually really, that's good for them though, because those are skilled sailors. I'm that's sure. right. Yeah. So that would be appealing. And I don't want anyone to be punished for any of the crimes we've committed. So Bailing, you can imagine, he kind of balks at this. He's yeah, like, he's this like, is, oh, you're asking for a lot. That lady. is a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. So she orders one last attack. <laughs> on the coastal villages just to prove just to be like hey maybe you should I agree got the power and he crumbles oh fuck and he's like all right take so she it she blackmailed him she blackmailed him he's like all right take it take it all you can have all of that no one's going to be punished you can keep all of your money and we'll even make uh shang po a lieutenant in well. the navy <laughs> so he even gets a job as a lieutenant in the navy and also what happens now is that they have their official mother son relationship is dissolved yeah and they marry okay we touched on this very slightly but i assume that the adoption like you said it's entirely a business arrangement it's not really a reflection of their familial relationships Mm. it's just purely to keep those lines of inheritance so if they had a genuine thing for each other then you know yeah do we know how much older than him she was she wouldn't have been heaps older probably would maybe would have been maybe 10 at maximum 10 years older than him yeah, so not much of a difference between them, really. And also I suppose the fact that they were married after all of this took place suggests that there was a genuine attraction between yeah. them because, I mean, I guess there's a level of needing to stay together because they've got all that money that mm. they've earned together. But still, really, why would they do that unless there was still yeah. some kind of actual desire to do it, yeah. I suppose? Yeah. Yeah, and they eventually had a son and a daughter together. So she well. now has four children. She does have four yeah. children, yeah. So what she does is, uh, sadly, of course, because the men in these stories tend to die, yeah. Shang Po dies. Uh. He dies at sea in 1822. So after after he dies, she takes the family to Macau and opens, well, a brothel and, <laughs> and also a gambling house. Of course. Yes. So even though she's gone straight, got an amnesty and become a civilian, she she's still hasn't. straight back into the seedy underworld. She has. and loves. She has. And, I mean, who could blame her, really? She's, she's seen some things in her time. She's had an exciting life. So it's not like she's just going to retire and do nothing. And she's also involved in the salt trade here as well because, yeah. you know, so much time spent with the salt trade. Who I could blame it? she'd probably make a pretty good madam. Yes. Like, I I think she'd be a really fair, she'd be like a stern but fair madam. Yeah. Well, actually, one source that I read even suggested that way back when she was young and working on the flower boat, she was the madam then. Oh, wow. And she would have been really young then. Yeah. But, I mean, that's 
Who that's knows? One source. I get, that's yeah. one source. And I mean, this is the thing, obviously, is it's very difficult to know uh, where the truth lies with yeah. these stories. But in her later years, she apparently even went on to serve as a military advisor to the Chinese government when they were battling against the British Army <laughs> during those Opium Wars, Again, of which we not spoke. Surprising. Not surprising at all, because I mean, she had all of that knowledge. If, she, if you've got this amazing resource mm-hmm. at your disposal, this yep. woman who has led a coalition of pirates to the most success of any pirate in the world you're not just going to be like "Mm, yeah we're not sure about your opinion because you don't have a penis yeah that's right so maybe you just you can't help yeah yeah just yeah but i think one of the other reasons why she's referred to as the most successful pirate is not just because of the wealth and the size of the fleet that she commanded but also because she simply died of old age. Mm, that is not a common story. No. With pirates. She died in 1844. She was 69. <gasps> she just died in bed. Oh my God. Surrounded by her loved, loved ones. That's not what happens. No. Pirates die in battle. They drown. They're killed. They're drawn and quartered. They die of diseases. They're hanged. They are. They don't get away with it. No. But she lived out her life. She spent all of the money. That she'd, she'd got from her pirating and just went on to die a happy old lady. That is really... Actually, 69 is not even really that old, but at the but time, of course, I guess, would yeah. have been very old. But yeah, 69 is yeah. a decent run when you're a pirate. Definitely. She, I wonder if she's like the oldest pirate. I wonder how many pirates do retire. There's a question. None of them that retired would have been anywhere near as successful mm. as her. I mean, at the height of her power... So there's a few different estimates and they, they vary a lot. There are some estimates that come from an employee of an East of the East India Company who was basically captured by them and held um, by Xing for three months. And some of the information we have about her comes from his accounts mm. of his time as a captive in 1809. And he estimated that there were 80,000 pirates <gasps> under Xing Shi's command. Wow. And about 1,000 large junk ships, so about 1,000 of the really big ones, and about 800 smaller junks and rowboats. Huh. Now, just for a comparison, Blackbeard, who we all know of Blackbeard, we've yeah. all heard of Blackbeard, he commanded four ships. Four. With a total of about 300 pirates. Wow. Jesus Christ. So if She you, was running, basically, the Chinese Navy. She was. She was. It was the equivalent. That, what she had there, was bigger than... Most navies at the time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of not just of China, but of many other countries yeah. that had navies, hers was definitely bigger. was bigger, or at least was on par with wow. other navies around That's the world at the time. Insane! That's crazy. And I mean, as I said, the ships were different. It weren't they weren't those huge yeah. galleons yeah, or yeah, sloops, yeah. but the the manpower she, that she definitely. had. I mean, eighty thousand is at the extreme end of the estimates. Some other estimates suggest that it was closer to about 40,000, but still. Still anywhere between forty and 80,000. That's a fuck ton more than 300. Yeah, it's enormous. It's absolutely Isn't it enormous. insane that these stories – I mean, I, do, I think that she is one of the female pirates that people do know a little bit more of. Like when I mention lady pirates to people, she is a name that pops up yeah. most commonly – but I don't think that she's mainstream known. Like, I don't mm. think most people know about her. It's certainly not the type of figure that is in our popular culture, mm. that is, you know, on TV and in films and in books and taught in history or whatever, like yeah. Blackbeard and yeah. um, Morgan and whoever they yeah. all are. Yeah. Those are the kind of pirates that people can name yeah. at the drop of a hat. It's like, name a pirate. Yeah. People go to those names. Yeah. William Kitt. Yeah. Great. 
people won't just like drop of a hat being like, oh, yeah, shing shing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's not kind of the common parlance that we use for piracy. We should like do a test. We should like go and do like a random sweep of people and ask them, who do you think the most successful piratable time was? Yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting? We could do it as a survey. Ooh. On the internet. <laughs> Maybe you should. Well, they all know the answer. That's cheating. We'll survey other people on the internet. Yeah. People who haven't listened to the podcast. Oh, that would be really interesting. We should have done that for our Fringe show. That would have been a really good way of drumming up publicity for the Fringe show. We should have. Well, if only. Well, geez, hindsight's a bitch, <laughs> isn't it? But mm. and Bonnie Mary Reed weren't the most successful pirates. They were just bad They were just pirates. very good at what yeah. they did. Yeah. But we like pirates. A lot. And there's still, I mean, we've only done three female pirates And now. I have a list of more. Yeah, there's heaps more. There I think, are more. I actually think the other name that people maybe know is Grace. Grace, Grace O'Malley. O'Malley. I yeah. think she's the other one that people might the know Irish in there. pirate, for mm. those of you who don't know Grace O'Malley. But then there's also the, fr- the um, French. Are we giving away too much? Maybe we're giving away too much, but Jean Clisson. Yeah, she's, she's the other one. one. Yeah. There are a few out there, guys. If you want more lady pirates in your Deviant Women ears, let us know. Give us some feedback. If you're done with pirates, if you're like, you guys have done three pirates now, like, we <laughs> want enough. some more variety. Although three out of however many episodes we've done, that's not that not, many pirates. Yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah. But we love pirates. Yeah. We love the, I love pirates for their contrast of light and shade. Like mm. I love the way that they symbolize so much of how like kind of powerful and badass and ridiculous women can be. But they're also so horrifically violent mm. and they just have to put up with so much bullshit. Mm. Mm. I think the other thing as well is they're such a mythologized figure. But like so many of the mythologized figures we've talked about, they existed as well. Like yes. they, they're similar to that when we talked about um, the Amazons at the end of last season. Yeah. They have that sim- similar legend and mythology that's grown up around them. But of course, there's the historical fact of them as well. Yeah. And that I think makes them even more fascinating yes. to me. Yeah. is the way that those two things, as with all of the stories we talk about, the way that the mythology and the actual real historical fact yeah. meld together. That's what we're all about here at Deviant Women. It's just, just this, this is our intersection. It is. Mythology and history. Jeez, it's interesting. How we tell these stories. Jeez, I hope you guys think that's interesting. Because <laughs> I really, oh, that gets me excited. <laughs> Is that a bit sad? That that's what no, gets me that's excited. what gets me excited too. That's why Gosh. we're all here. Isn't that why we're all I here? I thought that was why we we're all here. I hope I, I'm I right. I feel like if people aren't excited by that, they're listening to the wrong podcast. They sure, <laughs> they sure are. Can I just let you know, as just as a way to sum this story up, that the emperor didn't learn his lesson at all about the Navy and still neglected to update it. And this was um, actually why when a few years later, a few decades later, the English uh, came in for the opium, opium wars. That's so why what? they were able to get in there because um still they hadn't decided to up that navy (laughs) well your lesson people there you go Mm. well i think that was a great swashbuckling adventure story i really enjoyed that such good times yeah Mm. so next fortnight we'll be delving into some new waters Um, oh waters good see i like yeah kept that pirate thing going yeah i'm good with a metaphor right (laughs) yeah real good yeah (laughs) Uh but until then if you like the show then jump online give us a review reviews are one of the best ways that you can support the show um leave us a message if you if you want you can find us on itunes stitcher soundcloud anywhere where you get your podcasts and of course you can support us on patreon we just had some new patreon content come out recently it's a really good one so you can support us from as little as two dollars and you can listen to it 
It's uh, the story of Fakane, the dragon slaying princess. Get on it's board. It's a great story. It's so good. I enjoyed that thoroughly. We have merch on Etsy if you want to check that out. T-shirts, pins and stickers. And as always, thank you very much to Brendan Davies for the sound. And to India Hui for the music. And thanks guys for getting back on board for season, season three. Season three. Here we are. Let's do it. Yeah. Woo. And we'll be with you throughout 2019. I was about to say 2009. <laughs> <laughs> well in the past. <laughs>